0: So, this is the first podcast uh, with Mr. Paul Wilson. Howdy. How are you? Doing well. Doing well. Uh, I'm Wyatt Marchant. I am the communications and digital guy here at Cibolo. Honestly, not really sure what my title is sometimes. Um, But we decided to start this podcast and we're super excited about it. Uh, Those who know are super excited about it. Um, And before we really got into exactly what... Uh, uh, certain topics uh, and to start discussing certain topics, we wanted to talk about kind of the mission and the vision of this podcast and how it fits into Cibolo Creek as a church and as a whole. Um, and so, Paul, how do you see this podcast playing a role in the mission and vision of sibilo
1: Well, I, I think the best way to answer that is to begin with a bit of an understanding about the uniqueness of sibilo Creek. Mm. Uh, unique... Not that any other church is not doing it, but it's unique to us in that it's an important part of who we are. So when we started Cibola Creek, we really felt like the thing that God had called us to do was create a place where people who were far from God, people who had been burned out by the church, people who had lots of doubts and questions and didn't really know how to decide where they were in their faith that they could have a place where they were welcomed, a place where they were invited to engage in the discussion, a place where they could be challenged to think about uh, faith and the scriptures and God and Jesus and all those topics in a way that really talked their language. Mm -hmm. And and most of all, really respected who they were and where they were in their life. Mm -hmm. Like not beating them up, for being where they were, but really accepting them and inviting them to the table, if you will, to um, join the rest of us in a pursuit of better understanding of faith in Jesus Christ. And so if you think about the, the unique nature of our church and what we work really hard to create by way of an environment for that person, I guess in my heart, I would love a podcast to kind of serve that same audience or at least be accessible to that kind of audience. I mean, we could start what may be kind of a typical Christian podcast where we're you know, talking about spiritual life and we're diving down into the scriptures and we're exploring these kind of theological sorts of topics. And I'm all good with that, except it's interesting working with people who are unchurched. That's not where they usually begin. They They're usually coming at, the whole God question from more of a philosophical, more of a cultural perspective. And uh, mm-hmm. they're they're wondering, like, how does it fit in the real world in which I live? So I guess a heartbeat for this podcast is that that person could jump into these discussions and find something of relevant value to them. And then hopefully in the course of it, be able to explain faith and the scriptures and God and Jesus in ways that would be at least um, appealing or understandable to them for them to weigh out what their next step is mm-hmm. with all of that. Mm-hmm. So I, I think the podcast has to complement the mission and vision of Cibolo Creek Community Church. And yet at the same time, I, I would imagine, since we've never done it before and we're brand new to it, who knows how um, how this may go. We, we may end <laughs> up not inconsistent with the vision of the church, but we may end up um, diving into topics that um, maybe wouldn't necessarily be immediately associated with how the church typically goes about its messaging.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, that's true. And I think it's good because you wouldn't expect um, an unchurched person or somebody who doesn't uh, want or go to church um, to be going and hearing the Christian perspective. And also, Sunday mornings don't really allow for the nuance that a lot of these uh, topics and
1: uh, call for. You, you you don't have the time, really. Yeah, you you don't have the time. And, and there's, there's a certain dance on Sunday mornings where you're trying to provide for a broad audience of people, some who are spiritual seekers, some who are committed followers of Christ, and you're trying to be sensitive to how to talk about issues that provide for both of them. Uh, it's a little like, I don't think this would be a, a poor illustration, it's a little like having third graders in the room with uh, third-year college students. Mm-hmm. So you're, you just have to have this pretty wide bandwidth of how you approach the topic so that it's accessible to everybody. Um, yeah, so uh, I'm looking forward to kind of the whole journey and adventure of how this podcast works and and the one thing that is really important is that some people a lot of people who are suspicious of the church or distant from the church or whatever the word might be, they're much more likely to listen to a podcast than they would showing up at a Sunday morning service. Mm-hmm. Now, I guess my hope would be that maybe through a discovery process of a podcast, their interest might be raised. And a certain permission or invitation is created that they may come to visit our church and be connected to like a community of people rather than just digital content. Yeah, but, um, yeah, I, I think this is just another another way that the church can make itself available to its its community that it, it seeks to serve.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And it allows for a longer conversation and um, to. Play with the ideas or topics or issues that um, you're really only given a little bit of time on a Sunday morning to talk about, which, uh, especially for younger people, like I'm 23, and we want longer conversation. Um, Whereas before, everybody who said that the attention span was only like two minutes was completely wrong. Uh, We want longer conversation. We want more explanation to the claims being made. um, And so
1: it'll also hopefully help us in that area, too. Yeah, I've heard that excuse um, for a long time about, you know, people only have the attention span of basically between commercials. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's really not that long. It's just a few minutes. And I've certainly, as a preacher, I've been told, you know, your messages have to be so much time because people can only sit so long and listen. And yet I've always kind of questioned that because... People go to a movie for sometimes three hours, Mm -hmm. and people go to um, concerts, and they engage for a lot longer than that, and, I mean, you have, like, a very popular uh, podcast these days is uh, the one done by Joe Rogan, Mm -hmm. and he can can interview a guest for up to four hours, and people stay engaged. He's got the most popular podcast, I I believe, in the world right now, and so... It's hard to it's hard to convince me that people only have a, you know, a few minute attention span. Yeah. Um, certainly in in the the digital world or a podcast like this, it it does provide for I think a, a much broader discussion.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: mm-hmm. Oh, I completely agree, and also
0: like, people want and can actually. Um, engage with these ideas like be, you don't have to dumb it down as much as people kind of thought that you did um for the average listener like yeah you do have third grade to, to college um but people can understand if you just explain it uh, and you have right. the time to do it right um so uh this being um the first episode of the podcast we just kind of wanted to lay out some guiding principles that we're going to follow um and that we're going to try to honor and kind of also to give you an expectation, the listeners give it, uh, an expectation of what we're going to try to do as um, the speakers of this podcast, the hosts of this podcast, and uh, kind of give us some some guidelines as to um, how we're going to carry it out. So first up, uh, we wanted to um, attempt to o- not attempt, but always be honest, authentic, and transparent about topics, especially the spiritual life. Um, why do you think that would be important for us to follow?
1: I think it's primarily because that's the kind of person I am. I, I don't like to be yanked around. I don't like to be misled. I don't like something to be portrayed in a way that isn't true. I don't like somebody cheerleading something and making it more than it really is. Mm-hmm. And I just think our world is is longing for people to be honest. Now, when I talk about, you know, being honest with somebody and um, being direct about a topic, I don't think in any way that means you have to be insensitive or mean. No. But I think there's some really humble, gentle ways to just say, okay, this is really how I feel, or this is really how I see this, or this is really how I understand something. And I just think there's a world right now that's really longing for someone to just tell them the truth. Mm-hmm. Uh we're living in a society right now that there's plenty of examples where um, people aren't getting the truth. Yeah, we're we're dancing around the truth. We're avoiding the truth. Uh, we could look at the whole issue of like legacy media, and there's a lot that isn't true that's being reported as fact when, in, when in fact it isn't. Hmm. And I, I so I just think there's. There's a longing for people to say, just just tell me the truth, and then I'm big enough, I'm mature enough, I'm intelligent enough to then weigh it out and decide what I'm going to do with the truth. Mm-hmm. But just tell me the truth. Don't, don't yank me around. Yeah, yeah, tell me the facts of the matter, or
0: what something is, don't tell me an opinion, or try to sell me an opinion.
1: Yeah, which when you look at legacy media, particularly in the news uh, arenas, That's exactly what's happening. Nobody's reporting information. Mm -hmm. What they're doing is interpreting events for us. And, you know, we could go down the long rabbit trail of that discussion that there's a certain narrative that's being promoted, there's a certain ideology that's being advanced, and the media is largely responsible for some of the uh, misperceptions and misunderstandings people have about the truth of things. And so I think it's certainly a segment of our, our, our American population that's saying, enough, yep. just give me the truth, and then I'll sort it out as it best serves my understanding and, and my um, ambitions or values. And so, you know, I, I don't want to be, I don't, wanna, I don't want you and I, Doing this, I I don't want us to pretend to be something that we're not. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not interested in coming off as, you know, the intellectual about all the topics. I certainly don't want to portray myself as having it all together when it comes to a spiritual journey. I'm very much in progress and in process. And let's just be, you know, if we're going to do this thing and do it honestly, then let's just be a couple of guys who are kind of on the same journey we're struggling with the same issues we have uh you know we have doubts we have questions we have things that don't make sense so let's just be honest to that because i think a lot of people uh, probably have those same desires and um to affirm it in them i think would be a good thing Mm -hmm. i completely agree and kind of talking about like the
0: same just a couple of guys talking um that was something else that you wanted to kind of hold yourself to and, and I guess give people the expectation is that you didn't want to um, go into this podcast having to I guess protect or preserve an image of uh, the pastor. What did you mean by that?
1: <laughs> so when you're when you're a pastor, it becomes really obvious um, pretty quickly that everybody has expectations for mm-hmm. you. Uh, People who grew up in church and grew up with a pastor, whether it was a good pastor or a bad pastor, they have certain expectations, either be like the pastor that I loved that I grew up with or don't be like the one that I grew up with because he was an idiot. And, And so people come to church and they have a whole list of expectations about everything from what I should and shouldn't talk about, how I should dress, how I should wear my hair, um how I should handle certain topics, how I should preach, it, how I should lead and and so, if you play into that, you end up you end up creating uh, this sort of persona or image that um, can be really inauthentic mm. and i I just have never I've never loved living there. I find it it saps me of energy, and so I would much rather just be who I am, and um, certainly I want to be a great pastor, I want to be a a faithful follower of Jesus, I want to live in obedience to the scriptures, but I just don't want to pretend to have it all together or, um, you know, be something that I'm not. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, you know, I'm Paul Wilson, God created only one of me, thank goodness. Um, i'm just paul wilson i'm a christian i'm a i'm a man i'm a father i'm a husband um and i'm a sinner and i i I guess i want to come from that place mm-hmm. and really in some ways, whatever effectiveness I have had in ministry has largely been born out of the fact that i've been pretty honest with who i am pretty pretty comfortable with self-disclosure about my failings and ways in which I don't live up to um, what it means to be a a faithful follower of Christ. And at least on a Sunday morning, people sitting in the audience, what, what I've heard from them and from others is that sort of authenticity from me provides a lot of credibility that they will then listen to what mm-hmm. I have to say because they go, "Oh, well he's not all that different than I am." Whereas a lot of pastors in my experience, they projected some sort of an image of, you know, being perfect and understanding everything and never doubting and 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 so the average person sitting out in the seats goes, "Well, I do have doubts and I do mess up and I don't understand it all." And so he he and i are different mm-hmm. and i've i've never really wanted to hide behind that image i think another thing is there's there's this idea that if i have to pro- have to protect the image then um there's just certain things that i have to talk about and certain things i can't talk about yeah mhm and i don't Again, I'd like this podcast, or early. I'd like any expression of my ministry in people's lives to be completely safe to talk about anything, because that's where we live. All sorts of odd and curious things happen in the course of our life, and if some topics are, you know, sort of out of bounds, then we never really get to address that with somebody in any way that's helpful. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, I completely agree, and... Like that's kind of like you said, that's not where everyone else is living. They aren't just living in Christian ideas, but you have to learn how to apply your what you learn from the Bible and what you learn from God um, to the things you run into in the real world sure and sure. um so we can't do that and, and
1: um i I think what happens when when a church or a, a pastor and a congregation um when they end up getting captured in the image of what they think the perfect Christian looks like, and they end up deciding that certain topics are off limits, what Mm -hmm. I've noticed is that the church stops being relevant. Mm -hmm. Like I kind of grew up in a situation where it seemed like, you know, the 1940s and the 1950s were this, golden era of like morality and family and marriage and all of these good things and so even in the the 70s 80s and 90s it seemed like the church was stuck back in that that you know we call it sometimes the leave it to beaver era Mm -hmm. where everything was perfect and fine and yet in the last 40 50 years society had changed divorce was now you know a much more prevalent experience in people's lives, Um, divided families, uh, pregnancies outside of marriage, um, a host of social issues happened in the 80s and 90s that you would have never even dreamed would happen back in the 40s and 50s. Mm -hmm. But the church that refuses to really talk about those realities of the day in which you live, it almost as if you live in some sort of... uh, disconnected reality that's just not that far from like the first century because that's the part that the Bible talks about mm-hmm. and so I, I think that makes sense is I, I'm thinking to be honest not to protect an image but to be really honest and authentic it just provides for a greater relevance in the discussion of the message that we're talking about when it comes to faith.
0: Yeah I agree and I think
1: uh, I think it was Barnett they did some
0: uh, polling on young adults as to their thoughts on the church or why they've left the church. And one of the top answers was um, well, the top answer was that they didn't have meaningful relationships within it. And then two, it didn't cross over into the, the rest of their life, the other uh, six days a week. Yeah. Um, which is heartbreaking. Uh, but I mean, to some degree, I, I don't blame them. Um, I've been to a few churches and I would definitely say, like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> About. And that's not to dog other churches, but um, I think just the church as a whole, capital C, um, has kind of forgotten how to do that and how to make it applicable outside of a Sunday morning.
1: Right. And so consequently, then people compartmentalize Mm -hmm. their faith. Mm -hmm. And they're really interested, really curious, really committed for about an hour and a half on a Sunday morning when they take the time to be at church. But then they leave... And, you know, as soon as they get to the restaurant, it's like they've yeah, sort of jettisoned all of that, and they'll be rude to the waiter. Yep. Uh, um, so, yeah, if you look at the teachings of Jesus, he wasn't teaching a church attendance model. No. He was teaching a 24 hours, 7 seven-days-a-week expression of the way that you live your life. And um, so I would much rather... Spend time there, because that's the lion's share of a person's life, mm-hmm. so what is it the other one hundred and sixty seven hours of the week yeah. that they're home and they're trying to do family and they're at work and they're trying to do a professional life, and they're you know involved in their their community and their neighborhoods and trying to be you know that person so um, yeah I'd much rather talk about the other one hundred and sixty seven hours of the week than portray. What it means to be a Christian is this uh, thing that happens on a Sunday morning.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: Another one is, uh, and we kind of spoke on this a little bit, but quick to admit uh, what I don't know or understand, but willing to think about it out loud to model thought process. What exactly did you mean by that, um, to model thought process?
1: Yeah, um, so... I You know, I grew up in this conservative, evangelical situation. I had a lot of pastors in my life, and curiously, I've had a lot of professors in my life. The church that I attended as a child was actually just down the street from a Christian college. So a lot of the people in our congregations were professors at the college and their families. And one of my observations was that these pastors and these professors... It was really important to them that they always had an answer, mm. and that they were dogmatic about their answers. Like that, they never—I never saw this sort of um, humble, secure ability to say, "You know what? I don't—I don't know the answer to that, or mm-hmm. I'll have to get back to you." Because that—that's a good question. I'll have to think about it. it. Was always like how quickly they had the answer and how quickly they could proof text it with you know these 15 verses from the bible and then just be so dogmatic that there was no flexibility in the answer and you either squared up with it or you were wrong or you were far from god whatever you know was sort of portrayed in that and i, I just i still remember as a kid thinking ew i yeah i don't like that mm-hmm. i don't like that attitude i don't like that kind of persona and so um when I started thinking about becoming a pastor and, and being involved in ministry, maybe this is a this is kind of warped, but so much of what I wanted to be as a pastor was born out of what I didn't want to be mm. based on those examples of mm-hmm. what I had grown up with. And I want I can still like identify that one of the things I wanted to do was I wanted to be comfortable saying, "You know what? I don't know." Yeah. I don't know an answer to that or I don't know how that works or that's a really great question, and I'd have to spend some time thinking about it. And so then that thought process is, well, if somebody asks a really hard question, let's just think out loud. Like, what are some of the topics that come to bear on it? What are some of the passages or principles of Scripture that might you know, have some sort of influence on how you'd answer that question? But rather than coming from a point of, this is the final answer, mm-hmm. really just invite the discussion and um so i i've always i've always enjoyed thinking out loud with another person as sort of like an example or a, a portrayal of the discovery mm-hmm. that rather than feeling panicked that i don't know the answer immediately then let's go on the journey of trying to think through what kind of things come to bear on how you might go about answering the question and, um, you know, we've done a thing here at Cibola Creek for, I don't know, maybe 10 years now. Um, at least one Sunday a year, we have a Q&A. Mm-hmm. And uh, we let our congregation know that the q and A's is coming up and that they should be thinking about a question or two that they would like to ask me. And the, the, the fun thing about it for me is I have absolutely no idea what the questions are going to be. It's like once the service starts and we finish with our worship portion of the service, and I come to the platform and what we've done is through technology people can submit questions via text message and I literally take them as they come yeah And I've always promised them, um, I will just tell you the truth. if I don't know the answer, I'm just going to admit that. but what I will do in those few moments that I have to respond to that question is I'll just think out loud and I'll think, well, I know god says this or this is his character and i know there's this passage in the book of romans and it sort of suggests that this might be god's thinking on that matter and then i might draw from like my years of being a pastor and some things that i've you know worked through with people or just content that i've created and i think well yeah so here's where i might head off in a direction of how to answer that question and rather than being, you know, I've I've never liked the preacher who tried to impress people mm-hmm. with all that he knew. So again, coming back to being relatable, as I just tell people, you know, that's a great question. I don't, I don't know that off the top of my head. But let me think out loud about what would be some of the um, principles that might be considered as part of a rational process of coming to some sort of answer to mm-hmm. that question. And I think people really like
0: watching that happen. Um, like I listen to a guy named Jordan Peterson a lot, and he that's what he does at his show. Uh, he goes on tours, and he just gets up there, and he has an outline, a rough outline, so he's not necessarily taking questions, but he just thinks out loud and just tries to, I guess, kind of solve a problem, but he just thinks out loud and tries to get to uh, some type of ending point um, with whatever topic that he's tackling. People love watching that. There's something calling in that. Uh, and especially whenever you add another person, it's like that's how you actually discover what's true. Uh, because who who, who can actually say, yeah, I know this to be fact? Right. Um, and that just also goes back to I think you didn't like that as much as people don't like watching legacy media and being told, well, this is how it
1: is. Yes. It's like, well, what do you know, guy? Um, right. You know? <laughs> yeah i think the other value is that you can end up modeling or mentoring people on how to have a thought process yeah um we're either quick to hand somebody the answer um rather than the thinking behind it Mm -hmm. and what's that old saying if you give a if you give a person a fish you feed them for a day if you teach them how to fish you feed them for a lifetime yeah and so there's there's a there's a part of what I do in my teaching um, style and certainly a part of what I do when, when we're doing these Q and a sessions is if I don't have the answer, then maybe the best way I can help them is model a thought process. Mm -hmm. And, and I guess in some way what I'm modeling is, well, the first place I'm going to go to is the scriptures. I'm going to think through what's the character of God, that we understand enough to that might apply to this situation, what are specific commands of scripture that again might apply to the situation that you're talking about? Um, what's an observation about the way that life generally works that would be you know helpful in thinking this through and so you know at the end of the day, if I can get people to think mm. that's that's success for me. Um, if I can just get them to think. They don't even have to think like me. They don't even have to come to the same conclusions as me. But if I can get them to think, for me, that's that's a really good Sunday. Yeah. If I if they're driving home in the car and they're kind of like, ah, I don't know that I agreed with him on that, or I was really kind of wanting to hear more. I didn't understand that. I certainly don't want to confuse people. But if I can get them thinking and talking about something, I'm just going to get a whole lot more traction. Oh, yeah. Out of that message because it doesn't just die once the service is over. Mm -hmm. Well, not only that, but it also gives them, if they think
0: about it, it gives them more of a foundation rather than just accepting something as fact. Um, And then they know why they believe it. Because I talked to a lot of my friends, and if you ask them why, they get all upset because they don't necessarily have a why. Um, Which, I mean, it can be a tough question, but I think it's one of the best things. And like that feeling of, well, what he said about this. And I, like you are supposed to wrestle with it, you know, we're supposed yeah. to wrestle with these things. And, um, like you also said, there's some people who think that it's bad to doubt, but I think one of the most interesting things I've learned is that Israel, the term Israel was given to Jacob. Um, and it means he who wrestles with God. And it's like, well, we're supposed to wrestle with God to some degree. Maybe, probably not literally. Um, although Jacob fared a lot better than I thought he was going to. <laughs> um, But maybe we're supposed to wrestle with uh, the ideas and the spiritual uh, influences
1: of what uh, following Jesus is and what it looks like. Yeah, so it's interesting. The trend in the church of the last 10, 20 years is we're losing an entire generation of Christ followers who graduate from high school and then go off to college. Mm. And they're being challenged on issues of morality and philosophy and ideology. They're getting, you're just hammered with all these contrarian views of everything that they had been taught as Christ followers. But so often, two things were really perpetuated in their church. is One is, um, we'll just tell you the answers, but we'll not tell you how you get there. Mm-hmm. So then when they're in the college context and somebody's pushing up against their Christian worldview – they know the answer, but they don't know how they got there. Yep. And so they're just ripe for being intimidated and misled. Um, and I think that's that ends up demolishing their confidence and their courage and their faith. Mm-hmm. And um, so they, they just end up uh, doubting what they've been told and doubting their faith as a whole and end up really being kind of just... Easily influenced to walk away from Christ.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Their, I guess, Christian philosophical worldview is just quickly toppled because they don't have that foundation. Right. Uh, and then they, 90% of the time, and this is because I stayed home and did college uh, from home in the same town, I watched a lot of my friends go off to college and they would come back. Um, well, they had all these new ideas and thoughts and opinions on things. And I'm like, what the. What happened? Yeah. Um, and 90% of the time, I could tell you exactly what they were going to say. It was all the same. Um, that's still true uh, with, most, with most people around my age or kind of in that young adult area, 18 to 30. Um, yeah. Very, very similar. There's not a whole lot of, and they all say the same things, um, which perhaps for a lot, some of those things, maybe all, all of that is true for each of those. But um, a lot of the time, it's just they've only been told one
1: way to look at it yeah and the second thing that's happened to that generation is they they grew up in a context where they were it was sort of implied if that you can't doubt you can't have questions and you you have to know beyond the shadow of a doubt kind of thing so then they again they go off to the university and they're getting bombarded with all these different ways and different conclusions about their thinking and they do start doubting and they do start having questions because suddenly their little sunday school um, impression of jesus Mm -hmm. doesn't hold up to the bigger challenges that you know a scholastic world has about the validity of the scriptures or the person of jesus or the existence of god and so then they start feeling these doubts and they start having these questions because they're getting pushed in whole new ways that they weren't pushed as young people in church and they end up feeling guilty or ashamed or less than because they have questions and doubts. And yep. They were told you can't do that. And now they're feeling those things. And so, again, we're losing them because they end up concluding, well, maybe I'm, I'm really not a good Christian or maybe I am really never was saved. And, again, they end up following off after a, a whole lot of new ideas and perspectives.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, and two, this even happens in the church now, but you can well people are being sold a lot of things that um have been untrue for m- most of history uh, but now they're they're being told that they're true under the guise of love, or that they need to be seen as true under the guise of love, um which I think is incredibly pernicious to take christ's love and acceptance of people and twist it into. Well, if you love people, blank. Um, yes. Which is also, that's one of the main reasons. I, they, they might not have lost their faith, but they've gone a little astray as to what's true and what's not true. Um, or at least what the, what the Bible says is true and what's
2: not true.
1: Yeah, and that's happening a lot. Um, not just for uh, students. That's mm-hmm. happening a lot for adults. And there's a host of social issues that are being promoted in such a way that hey affirm this applaud this approve this and you know in your heart that that's completely contrary to the design of god for human life yeah but uh you get so intimidated because it's such a powerful force in our society and um and i i'm seeing it i i see um people who are far from an understanding of the scriptures and are far from a faith in God, and at times they'll use the Jesus thing mm-hmm. as a way to intimidate, as a way to manipulate, and they'll say, well, if you were a follower of Jesus, he loved everybody, he accepted everybody, he approved of every kind of... I mean, look at the people that he ran around with, and he obviously approved of their lifestyle, and that just couldn't be further from the truth. And every encounter where Jesus shows a person who is far from god when he shows them love he never once affirms or approves of their sin yeah and so this whole idea well jesus loves everybody and loves everything it's it's not true because again especially if you're consistent in your theology jesus is god Mm -hmm. and while he is you know largely um revealed in the new testament the gospels that same jesus who is god was present in the old testament and there's just this entirely different sentiment that you get about who god is Mm -hmm. in the old testament and one of the things that you cannot step around is he was holy and he drove some really really hard bargains about his people being holy and he didn't shy away from confronting sin or judging sin or condemning sin, and he he just put it right out there. This is what it is to be in a relationship with the Holy God. Well, that same Holy God becomes the Person of Jesus. Yep. And I think it's really really critical that we understand that relationship of an infinite Christ who steps out of eternity into um, you know modern or. First century culture and yes, he was incredibly loving and he was incredibly kind and understanding and he under he understood the brokenness of sin in people's lives, but he never affirmed it, he never approved it. He called them to a place of repentance, he called them to a place of change, he called them to a place of coming back to the design that God had intended in the first place. Yeah. And so, go ahead. I just I just see I just see our society abusing that now. Yeah. And typically in the context of trying to uh, make Christians feel guilty for having a position that's contrary to what's most popular. Yeah,
0: well, it's make Christians feel guilty so I don't feel guilty. is kind of yes. how I see it. Yeah, uh, But a perfect example of that is something that I have say is that they're only telling half the story, particularly whenever it comes to the woman caught in adultery. Um, they'll say, well, look how Jesus treated that woman. It's like all these people were going to stone her, um, remember, olden times, um, they were going to stone her because she was caught in adultery. And he stops them and says, Well, he who hasn't sinned may cast the first stone. It's like, Well, look how loving that is and how th- he called them out for being hypocrites. But they fail
1: to mention the part where he tells her, Well, go and sin no more. Exactly. It's just the first part now. Yeah. Um, well, anybody who's manipulating the scriptures for an agenda or to intimidate and manipulate, they're always going to be very loose mm-hmm. with how a passage reads, yeah. and they'll make it. They'll make it say things it wasn't intended to say, and they'll skip out the parts that are incredibly inconvenient for the argument that they're trying to advance. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. you know that that just goes back to why it's so important that a Christ follower spends a lot of time accurately studying the scriptures in the way that they were intended to be understood so that they're not just uh, quickly intimidated and manipulated by people who may be more forceful in an argument.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, The next principle or kind of guiding um, idea that we wanted to follow was don't shrink back from the hard truths for fear of offense or making people uncomfortable uh, yet never mean or inconsiderate. What was your idea behind that one? I mean, we've kind of talked about that, but um, just any more thoughts on that one in particular?
1: Yeah, there's so many topics today, and unfortunately, certainly in American culture, we're also polarized around politics and morals and ideologies. And we're not just on opposite sides of the spectrum. We're really dug in Mm. to our side of the spectrum that we're not even interested in listening to um, fact and um, anything to make us really challenge our current position. Yeah. We just we just immediately step to the line for a fight, and we're not interested in really thinking things through to maybe reconsider. We we only go into conversations nowadays to defend our position, mm-hmm. and. Um, so what that ends up looking like is it ends up becoming very aggressive, very inconsiderate, can be very mean. Um, you know, so many of the discussions nowadays of Christians versus non Christians immediately goes to, well, you're a racist, you're a homophobe, you're 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 something, anism, an, ism. an is-ist ism, that you're not. Yeah. But that's just the easy way to again intimidate and lead the argument, and and so what I what I would love to do and what I've always endeavored to do is how do you have a conversation? How do you have the thought process? How do you, you know, wrestle with ideas and literally wrestle with ideas, discuss them rather than fight over them? Yeah. Because um, I would love to understand where you're coming from. I'd love to understand the underpinning values and principles that you're working from that have led you led you to a certain conclusion. And then I want to be able to explain mine too. And so rather than getting to a place where it's always vitriolic and defensive and mean-spirited, um, I, I do think that as Christ followers, we are called to be kind and compassionate and considerate and understanding and patient. And so I want to be able to tackle hard topics and touchy topics and yet still be very respectful, be very uh, considerate, um, be very kind in our discussion of the topics, not not trying to be mean, not yeah. trying. Now, granted, some topics are so touchy; it doesn't matter what I'd say or how I'd say it. Somebody's going to take offense. Yeah, you're
0: going okay. to upset somebody.
1: Yeah, but um, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to offend, and I don't want to hurt, and I don't want to be mean. But at the same time, the flip side of that is I don't want to be so um, cautious about offense or hurt or coming across as or being interpreted as coming across as inconsiderate that we then shy away Mm -hmm. from even talking about the topics yeah because there are a lot of very delicate important topics for our day and how our faith aligns to them so i want to be able to go after the hard things but i don't want to be mean and inconsiderate in how we do it yeah and um, I, I think it's possible. I really do. It may be. It may be a step back in time to when it was more um, acceptable to have diverging opinions and be able to talk them through rather than lead to argument and debate. Um, but I kind of, I'm kind of hopeful that that's a time that we could reclaim. Yeah. In in just human society or American society, but who's going to lead that way? It it should be Christians, because it's been very clearly instructed of of us as followers of Jesus that we are to be kind and compassionate and understanding and patient. And so if anybody should be able to model that sort of um, ability to have hard conversations without being mean and inconsiderate, it should be Christ followers. Mm -hmm. And yet at the same time, who's usually the worst offenders. It's usually the Christian. Yeah. And um, I, I've, I've actually been thinking a lot about that lately, and what it comes down to, one of the things it comes down to in my mind, is it's a certain insecurity. That's what I was just thinking, yeah. And if you, if you get around somebody who's insecure, they can become very defensive, very um, uh, sort of alarmed very quickly if they feel like somebody's... Making a conclusion about them yeah and I think I think I'm seeing that amongst a certain breed of Christians if you will is they're so insecure mm-hmm. in their faith in their understanding of scriptures um, that they just spout off the answer that you know they read or their favorite preacher told them to to say and they really don't have a logic and a rationale behind their argument and so they get cornered very quickly yeah. And then they get defensive and they get mean and they get inconsiderate and they like to sort of, you know, power up with this kind of theological, you know, macho kind of mentality. And I just think that's so contrary to how Jesus invited us to live. Yeah. And um, so it's interesting to see that um, we're, we're just living in a time where it's really hard to talk about difficult things without somebody's feelings getting hurt and somebody getting defensive. But I like to hold out the hope that it's possible.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. I certainly
0: think it's possible. And I think a lot of that comes from people feeling like they can't talk about certain things because then the normal everyday person who kind of relies on um, maybe a pastor or somebody from their church who is kind of the spiritual guide or where they would look to them for information on such a thing. Well, they're not giving them any on that topic because well, the pastor feels like he can't talk about it, um, which again just goes back to how unhelpful
1: that is. yeah, um I was just talking about that with our church family this last sunday is um, if the If the preacher is somehow um, directed not to talk about certain topics, mm-hmm. or if he, in his own sense of insecurity is afraid to talk about certain topics, then basically what he's doing is he's crippling his congregation to be unable to think and talk about those things in relationship to the world in which they live. And so they have neighbors, and they have friends, and coworkers, and family members, and they have you know the people they read, and the podcasts they listen to, and the news they watch. And so they're not prepared. They're not equipped to be able to have a conversation about some of the you know, really big social issues of our day because the church that they're looking to for some guidance and some mentoring refuses to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And I think the danger there is if we put our heads in the sand about what's really going on in our world, in our society, then we don't see the tsunami that's going to hit the shore. Yeah. Yeah because we haven't been paying attention or we wanted to avoid the hard stuff. And I don't know, maybe this is a little bit more than than you were looking for, but mm. um, so what I was explaining to our church family last Sunday is that so often the preacher sort of gets this, um, this instruction, if you would. Uh, hey, don't talk about these social issues because they're political. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like don't talk about, gender identity that's so political don't talk about abortion that's so political don't talk about economy and economics because that's so political and don't talk about right and left because that's so political my tension with that is they're not political issues they've been politicized yeah politicians have taken the great social issues of our day and they've Leverage them for intimidation and manipulation to raise money, to get votes, to you know push an ideology, to hold a narrative, to um, you know pass laws. But the issues in and of themselves are not political; they've been politicized. But those issues are moral mm-hmm. at the root of abortion and gender identity and and marriage and all those topics. That tend to you know, get a lot of um, create a lot of controversy these days. they are moral issues at their roots, and if they're moral, then they are inherently spiritual yep. and that's where the scriptures come to bear, and that's where a faith in Christ comes to bear, and that's where you know the the influence or the input of what God has to say comes to bear on those topics. and so for the church to avoid them because they're political what they're doing is they're not equipping their people to understand the moral realities behind these social issues and what they as followers of christ have a responsibility to either stand up for or stand up against and push back if you will the Mm -hmm. advance of darkness in a society because jesus invited us to be the light of the world yeah and so and then the other factor of that is if it's moral and it's spiritual, then ultimately it's eternal. Yeah, It has some sort of an implication on what a person decides in relationship to eternity. Because if we deny them or we avoid them, then what we're saying is I'm making a decision not to talk about something that has eternal implications on my life in the degree to which I'm willing to follow Jesus.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, that's so true. And... Like, I think a, uh, something that people don't do, and this is something that I've kind of run into, is that, um, or maybe not that they don't do, but I always try to disconnect the person from whatever it is, the uh, whatever idea. Like, say we're having an argument. And I don't mean argument as a yes. screaming match. I mean, right. in the way that it's supposed to mean, it can turn into that, but um, to where you're disagreeing about something and you're trying to figure out well, what's true and what's not. Um, if... The reason sometimes it gets so vitriolic, and this goes for uh, like those Christians you were talking about that feel insecure, as well as some of these new ideologies, is that uh, these ideas have been conflated into the spiritual or religious. And I don't mean religious, it's like the institution of religion, but more of just that level of uh, importance or where the value Mm. is. It's like, well, my political stances are just as important about how I see Jesus. It's like, well, no. Uh, how you see Jesus influences your political stances and what you do whenever you all all the time it' influence everything it 's at the top but i 've seen some of these issues and ideas be conflated up there right next to them and so if you disagree with one of those well you're you 're disagreeing with the person or um, and so that 's why they then have to come back and uh, be aggressive or what have you so i don 't know if you 've seen that but i 've definitely seen that be an issue
1: oh yeah um. We're seeing, I want to be careful here, because um, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't want to imply the wrong thing, but we're, we are seeing things where politics, government, science is really being presented as a god mm-hmm. or a religion, and you bow down to it and you worship it. And the problem with that is politics, government, science are completely incapable of being worshipped yep. the, at the same you know, realm that God was intended to be worshipped. And, yeah, I, you, again, you look at certain political persuasions and th- they're the ones who say God doesn't exist. And Jesus was, at best, a historical figure, but he's not the savior of the world. They push, they push the spiritual aside, but then they'll hold up science and intellect and government and politics and a host of other ideologies as being what they put their faith in. Yep. And they, they trust in those things over this unseen God and this um, Jesus that they don't believe in. And, yeah, I, I think it's having an enormous impact on our society.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And it's like everybody has
0: a God, just what is yours? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what a good way is to say yours? that. And it's important to have at least one that can stand on its own apart from you. Um, but, all right, so don't shrink back from ideas. And then um, we kind of talked about, again, about just being real, talk about real life in real ways for real people. Um, which kind of goes back to, hey, we're not going to sit here and try to just talk on this only intellectual level or pretend like we're perfect, um, but we'll talk about how we experience um, problems and struggles. We're all on the same road. Um, and if you have any more to add to that in particular.
1: Yeah, I do. You know, I, as a pastor, I I I'm given a front row seat into so many people's lives. And they invite me into it when they, you know, ask to make an appointment. And they come and sit down with me. And they, they're they going to tell me about what's hurting their heart and what's, mm-hmm. you know, what's complicating their life. And, I mean, it's just amazing to me what's going on in people's lives sometimes. I'm just like, wow, I thought I heard everything. Oh, <laughs> I haven't heard everything. <laughs> and I think I've developed a pretty good poker face in that I don't react, but... Uh, you know, I can think of a couple of um, appointments I've had with people, and I'm sitting in my seat thinking, "Wow, this is the 21st century," and these people are living with these kinds of challenges in their life. Mm. It's, it's just hard to believe. And so, because I get I get this front row of seat of people's lives, and because I'm a pastor of a you know a, a fairly large congregation. If I, if I pay attention, there is every imaginable challenge that people are facing, from grief to addiction to, you know, marital, like serious marital issues, heartbreak about things their children are deciding to do as, you know, teenagers or 20-somethings, all sorts of social pressures to be this or to do that all kinds of financial sorts of um, challenges that people are facing. And again, if we don't talk about those things as from a place that we're aware of them, I just don't think we're serving people well. Yeah. Um, They come to church with this, this hopeful heart that maybe something that they hear there will be of help to them. Mm Well, well, you can bet that the person who's, like, embroiled in a really serious marital problem, their perspective is rather clouded at the time. But they're coming in to say, please give me something that will help me with my marriage. Yep. And the person who's, you know, wrestling with an addiction, they show up on a Sunday morning, and they're coming into that experience with the hope that please tell me something that will help me overcome this addiction in my life or the person who's lost a job and has been out of work for six weeks and they're starting to watch bills stack up and they're watching their savings diminish they are sitting there thinking please tell me something today that will help me with either getting through this season and trusting that god will in fact provide a job for me or how to navigate you know financially with what i do in this time of no income so you know people come through the doors with these very specific needs mm-hmm. and we go back to the church that refuses to talk about real life is not really serving their people well yeah now granted there's you know big discussion about you know where does the sermon begin does it begin with the need of the person or does it begin with the truth of the scriptures? I think we make a little bit more of that than we need to. I I am always going to draw people back to the truth of the scriptures and the authority of God's word in our life, but if I can't relate to what it is that they're going through in life, and if I can't show the, the, the relevance or the connect between the two, I'm not really helping them.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. And then also just, or even giving simple answers that sound good, it's like, Hmm. Even as a Christian, something that's always bugged me, it's like somebody comes to uh, somebody, they're asking for help, and they're just like, well, I'll pray for you. It's like, well, thank you. You got anything? Like, Yes, that's great. But anything else, possibly. And it's like, well, that just seems like a cop-out to me. And I think to a lot of people, particularly those who aren't um, involved as much in the church, it's like, well, yeah, that is probably one of the best things you can do is pray. Um but and you don't have, I'm not expecting you necessarily have an answer, but it does. It it's been used so much as uh, well. I don't know what to do with this, so I'll pray for you. Um, yeah. But again, not trying to down talk, praying for people. Um, but yeah, no, definitely need to be real. Definitely need to uh, understand what people are going through. Um,
1: yeah. So another thing I, I think about from time to time, and I, I want to be careful that I don't. Um Suggest something i don 't intend i grew up I grew up in an educational model where the exegetical sermon was king, mm-hmm. and that was where you opened the Bible, you turned to a passage, then you literally pulled that passage apart, word by word, grammatical arrangement by grammatical arrangement, historical context by context all these details about this passage. And nine times out of ten, again, I'm just talking about my experience, the glory was in how many Greek words I could explain to you, how many Hebrew (laughs) ideas I could make you familiar with. Mm -hmm. And that was the glory of the sermon, is here, I I pulled this apart for you and I explained it in so much detail. And nine times out of ten, the point of application would get at best maybe the final minute or two of the sermon. And again, I'm a big fan of studying the scriptures exegetically. Yeah. But is is it really the intent of the exegesis to be brought into the pulpit? Yeah. It's sort of like, I'm going to make a meal for you, and what I'm going to bring to the table is the raw carrots, the raw potatoes, mm-hmm. and then cooked meat. But really, really, the point of a good exegesis of the Scriptures is, I do the work, and then I, I spend the time crea- crafting and creating something that now I can direct how this relates to your life. Yep. Now i may from time to time share some of the fruit of my exegesis and i may say hey did you know that this greek word means this and that might be helpful for them to understand the principle of the passage but to make the whole sermon that has always made me a little cautious and i i'm not trying to be um, combative here but (laughs) you'd be hard pressed to show me a true exegetical sermon by Jesus or any of the writers of the New Testament or any of the Old Testament prophets. Yeah, but if you look at the life of Jesus, particularly, he most he most always he almost always talked in terms of topics. Mm-hmm. And again, the background that I grew up in the exegetical sermon was king, and the topical sermon was sort of like, yeah, that's not really preaching. That's not not very impressive either. It's not very impressive. But you look at Jesus, and almost. Every example I can cite, it begins from a point of topic. Yep. And you look at the Sermon on the Mount, it's, it's just full of topics. It's topics of heaven, hell, judgment, criticism, divorce, adultery, sin, salvation, forgiveness. It's all these topics.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Jesus often began from the point of the topic Because that was the point of connection with the audience that he was serving. They came to him with a certain need or a certain question or a certain interest. And so he begins with where they begin and then directs them to the truths of Scripture. Now, again, sometimes I get myself in trouble with that discussion because some people think I'm implying that exegetical sermons aren't sound, correct ways to teach. I'm not. Really what I'm finding is that an exegetical sermon a true exegetical sermon is really maybe for a particular audience it's a group of christians who are looking for fuller deeper more uh detailed understandings of the scriptures but for a general audience that's showing up on most sunday mornings i'm not saying they're disinterested in this you know hebrew construct it's just that it isn't very relevant yeah to their marriage or to what's going on with their kids or to um, what they're being steamrolled by their society. And if that Hebrew construct can somehow be helpful to them understanding a truth or a principle from God's word that does apply to their their marriage or, or their life, great. But nine times out of ten, it's not immediately relevant. Mm-hmm. So, I would prefer as a, as a teacher, I do the exegesis in my study. And I do the hard work of then taking the results of what I learned from that exegesis and, and making a meal. Yeah. You know, preparing a dish that I can then bring to my church family on a Sunday morning and talk from a place of relevance based on the authority of an accurate understanding of the Bible. That makes sense? Yeah,
0: no, absolutely. And I think that you do a really good job in your sermons of um, you don't, it's not exegetical like you're saying, but it is you do give a lot of context and some history around uh, the verses that you're using so that people can trust that you're not using them, one, incorrectly, but then also it does bring those verses alive. Because if you didn't do the exegesis um, then it'd be much harder to tell what what the verse is trying to say and um, the importance of it and the purpose of it. And so you you do a good job of giving the context, but if I kind of see exegetical to a certain degree, if it's done poorly, where it's all just, here's a whole bunch of things and Hebrew and Greek and grammatic uh, analysis, that's like, I think that's why the scientific can't take the place of God, right? It's like, here's a whole bunch of facts. Hmm. Well, that doesn't do a whole bunch for me. Thank you. But that doesn't call me to anything. Right. Um, and so, so, no, I definitely agree. It's not... It's a, there's a fine line, but I agree. I agree. You need, the, the work kind of needs to be done on the other side and to take a, people's struggles in life into account. Um, so it doesn't always feel like people are coming into just a seminar or classroom.
1: I remember one time when I was in graduate school, we went to this, went to this big church in Dallas that I didn't normally attend, but we went there because there was this like really famous preacher who was there mm. that weekend. And he had actually uh, written one of the text that we used in our preaching class. And so it was like, oh, we get to hear this guy. And so we went, and I'm not, not taking anything away from him. He was an extraordinary teacher. But what I remember about my reaction and reaction of some of the people that i talked to who had heard the message it was like this fascination with the the inner workings of it the details of it the the word's choice and the mm-hmm. you know the the exegetical uh, studies there was very little connection to wow that changed my heart yeah that really changed my mind about the thing that he was talking about and particularly and again that that was kind of an intellectual scholastic crowd that ended up you know finding him so appealing but again i guess the folks that i'm I'm wanting to most to serve they're very intelligent mm-hmm. they're very scholastic but I only get an hour and fifteen minutes with them, and I don't even get that every week Some, you know average person spends about two Sundays a month at church, so I get them kind of in a really hit and miss inconsistent fashion. I just have a short amount of time I have about thirty five forty forty five minutes to to speak into their life, and if all I'm doing is impressing them, yeah. Rather than influencing them, then I'm not really I'm not serving them well. Yeah, and I'd much rather influence them toward you know uh, trusting God and following Jesus than impressing them with Wow, he had so many interesting exegetical mm-hmm. you know things to share. Yeah, I, I just I don't know. I I'm sure we could sit down and do a podcast and have two other guests who would completely disagree with my take Probably. on it, but, but that's all right. But no, no, I definitely agree. And I think that's why
0: I liked the adventure series you recently did, um, was because the entire idea was that was just, Hey, there's this invitation that you have before you, uh, and it's calling you to something more, a life that is more than the one that you're currently living. Um, and then telling them about what that more is and about who the invitation is coming from. Um, That, I think, is what needs to be capitalized on um, with our audience. But lastly, but certainly not least, um, one of the things you said that were going to be (laughs) very important for this podcast was a few dad jokes now and then, um, just to keep it light. I can assure you that I will make fun of you when you do them. I'm sure you will. but um, That's just your love language toward me, isn't it? It is, actually. Yeah, yeah. that's definitely <laughs> the environment that I grew up in, was that we are roasting each other yeah. nonstop.
1: So I, I turned 60 in July. So at this point in my life, I'm a, I'm a dad joke kind of guy. I, uh-huh. I love a good dad joke. I love um, watching my boys roll their eyes and groan every time I try one at the house <laughs> when they're around. Um, I, I kind of traffic some uh, different resources to get a good dad joke now and then. Um, but you know, really, what that's about is well, we we're a podcast, and it's just all verbal, so we can't really enjoy donuts for, for now in the same way. It's verbal but, for now, yes. Um, but a dad joke to me, what that's about is a sense of humor, a certain experience of joy and uh, comfort in life. Mm-hmm. Um, Christians, some Christians, and some Christian content can be so heavy and so serious all the time that one of the things that we then end up communicating is that's what the Christian life is. It's just always serious and it's always, you know, heavy and weighty. And I just have a very different perspective on the Christian life and following Jesus. I mean, if we truly understand what it means to be in a relationship with Jesus, to know that your sins past, present, future are forgiven. That the Holy Spirit of God resides in you, you have all that you need to pursue Christ with your whole heart. You have the you have the hope of eternal life. Then Christians of all people in the world ought to be some of the most comfortable, relaxed, warm, lighthearted people. Yeah. Not because life isn't serious, it is. But there's there's this place of joy in our experience there's this place of adventure of following christ that to me jokes are a language of i'm comfortable with you and i, I i'm comfortable with the ironies of life mm-hmm. and i'm not all freaked out when something isn't you know serious and and specific so i i love a good dad joke and and uh i'll come to our podcast now and then with my latest and i'll try it out on you and, and you can give me your honest reaction. And, and then at the same time, we'll probably watch our viewers or our listeners just like, 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 like up yeah. the storm because my dad joke was just. That's going to
0: be the thing that drives it.
1: Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, the thing well, about
0: dad jokes is that, especially for people who are younger, um, it's not like we actually like them because. <laughs> We enjoy seeing how big of a kick you guys get out of the, <laughs> making the joke and then laughing at yourself. It's exactly. like you yourself know that it's stupid <laughs> and, then, and then and then laugh because you said it out
1: loud. Um, you must be talking to my sons because that's exactly <laughs> what they say. In fact, I get teased around our house because when I start into a joke, I get so tickled, I start laughing before I ever deliver the punchline. Yeah. And so I am I step into the joke, and then I start laughing, and then my boy's are like, oh, no, here we go. We he go. can't even get the punchline out because he's laughing so hard. So I take a fair share of grief, but I'm going to stand, hold my ground. Dad jokes are awesome.
0: You know, I do a similar thing. I'll, I'll make a dumb joke, but then I'll explain it.
2: <laughs> yes. And it's the
0: explanation that's the funny part. And my fiancé hates it whenever I do that because she doesn't understand that, like, well, It's the explanation, the fact that I'm actually explaining it because it was super simplistic. That's the funny part. I'm like, do you get it? Because, and then, and then do you you see what I'm saying? And, uh, which is kind of the same reason as to why it's funny, not the joke itself. (laughs) But, yeah. Um, No, I completely agree. I do think there does need to be a level of lightheartedness, which I don't think that we'll have
1: a hard time doing. No. um, Between you and I, you and I have been going to lunch together for well over a year now and uh we always we always have a good time lots of laughs oh yeah that's why i enjoy those lunches so much along with the conversation of course but uh, yeah big fan of jokes yeah yes indeed well we are an hour and 13 minutes in
0: which seriously. is seriously longer than i thought it was going to be but um i'm really excited about starting this and uh going forward
1: well i'm excited too thank you um for proposing the idea you know i'm old enough to be resistant to this sort of thing because it's technology and i don't understand it all and (laughs) you know people tease me about being an old old guy sometimes but um i would not have initiated this on my own and you're younger you come from a you know a different generation different way you experience your world and this is all really kind of familiar territory for you and um so you approached me with the idea, and I was like, "Well, if, if you figure out how, to, how we can do it, I'm game, <laughs> as long as I don't have to, you know, take care of the, the technic, technological part of it." Yeah. Um, so I appreciate you initiating that.. Yeah. And you know we're both I think we're both kind of open-hand about this. Um, open-handed about this is that we, we really have no idea. No, we have no idea where it'll go. We don't have any idea that anybody will actually, you know, check in and listen, and or how long they'll listen for. But you know, we're we're going to give it a try and kind of see what becomes of it, and uh, try to honor some of these principles that we talked about. I, again, I'm not I'm not interested in creating you know the controversial prod, podcast. No, I want to just create this really casual. Um, authentic discussion about things that um, people are asking about. So it's interesting, um, uh, I think two weeks ago, mm-hmm. when we bought some of this, acquired this equipment for the podcast, um, and we are in here messing around with it, I made a post on Facebook, my Facebook page, about, hey, we're getting ready to start this podcast. And I was really just trying to... Um, kind of seed the audience in a sense of what would you what would you be interested in hearing us discuss? And I was really, I don't want to say surprised, but I was intrigued with the topics that people suggested. I was not surprised at all. You weren't surprised? Not
0: a single bit.
1: Okay. I was, <laughs> um, and there's a part of me that goes, wow, that, those would be some interesting topics, and I might be some of them I'd be admitting very readily I don't understand all the 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 context of them but um what it did is it demonstrated that people aren't are interested in topics of relevance that we might not have naturally assumed as a you know christian podcast
2: mm-hmm.
1: and so here here's just a a list of some of the ones um somebody asked um about Christian boundaries, discerning the difference between a call to cheerfully give or serve and without allowing yourself to be abused or taken advantage of or stepped over. That's interesting. That that's a, yeah. could be an interesting discussion. And then I was, I mean, the number of them that were political just demonstrates that people are spending a lot of time thinking through and dealing with these things and so we you know everything from the handling of covid vaccine mandates fair elections inflation climate change the the war that's unfolding between russia and ukraine um those are those are heavy hitting topics yeah and then then you have ones that you know might be more typical of a you know a podcast from a church, and that was you know what what passages of scripture fill you with hope when the world seems overwhelming um how do you handle our anger toward God, how we move past individual circumstances and stop blaming him when we've lost the ability or the desire to pray those are those mm-hmm. are great questions, great topics to consider um so i I think I think if we keep our, you know, fingers on the pulse and our ears open to uh, some of what people suggest for us to talk about, you know, we'll probably end up talking about a lot of things that are really important to people. Yeah. Uh, I once heard somebody say, if you preach to hurting people, you'll never lack for an audience. It's true. And these questions and others or these topics and others, at some level, they represent hurt. Mm -hmm. they represent pain people's i you know i think a lot of people's hearts are aching for what's unfolding in american society and what's happening in our current culture and uh it is it's painful they're they're just trying to figure out where does this all go and what does this all mean and I'll experience at one level, but man, we're creating a world that my kids are going to inherit. And mm-hmm. What's it going to mean for them? And it creates stress and worry and anxiety and fear about what the future holds. And so it, it represents hurt. Yep. And I would love to be at least a discussion out there where we identify what people's hurts and fears are and then can talk to them in really honest, authentic ways That end up providing some hope. Yeah, that is the goal,
0: and we'll hold ourselves to it. Um, There'll be a location where, or I guess, a place whether on the website or on social media, or even just sending us a message um, about uh, if you have something that you want discussed, um, let us know because we are definitely taking uh, your opinions and suggestions. Uh, Because again, we want this to be something that's helpful and isn't just us spouting off and trying to guess as to. Uh, what you want to hear about, but but anyways, we are really excited um, and can't wait for the next episode. And uh, any last thoughts?
1: Uh, no, no. Uh, I think you and I we, we've already discussed. We we still need to find a name for this thing. We do need a name for this thing. Um, and then there's probably work that I don't even understand as far as like how do you uh, make it available and accessible to people and. Uh, we'll figure all that out but right now we're just getting started and yep. uh if i've learned anything over the last few years of my life is the things that you're afraid of or intimidated by the best thing you do is just take the first step yeah you don't have to get all the way through it just take the first step and in taking the first step you at least build some sort of momentum to move forward and uh a lot of this will be making it up as we go and figuring it out. And I've never done a podcast before of you. No, I've been told that I should, but <laughs> what do I know?
0: And so being, especially being so young. So I like this because now I'm doing it with somebody else um, who definitely knows a little bit more than me. So, um, so I'm excited about it, but all right. I'll look forward to it. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget that new episodes are released every Wednesday. If you'd like to listen to our Sunday morning messages, you can find those by searching Cibolo Creek messages. And finally, if you'd like to learn more about Cibolo Creek Community Church, you can find us at CiboloCreek.com. Thanks for listening.